0: what an awesome time of worship that was so powerful that was so awesome um i know i'm stepping up here today with some added confidence because i know and i completely believe that the lord is already here and you guys could leave right now and have already have received from the lord so give the team uh just a, a hand clap give god some praise because that was just awesome Um, So for those of you who might not know who's standing up here right now, uh, you guessed right, I am not Pastor King. I am Sam. Uh, I'm the worship pastor here at Riverside, and I'm excited to share with you guys this morning, uh, and I hope you guys came ready to receive. This is the third week of our series called All In. Pastor John and Pastor Michael spoke first two weeks. I get to share with you this morning. Pastor King will wrap up anything that I will miss this morning and then the last week of the series we are going to have I guess a panel you could call it of some of our worship leaders, some of the people that I am so blessed to be able to serve next to. Sarah will be up there as well as Julie and Becky and and some others as well as our pastors and uh, that time that we're doing that panel is not because we have all the answers, it is not because we have absolutely everything figured out to be honest to stand up in front of people and ask a bunch of questions as I've talked to the worship leaders, as we get ready to do it, it's kind of scary. But we're doing it because we believe that there's an added sense of unity that comes With having questions answered, just talking about things, everyone being on the same page, and we are in the series called All In After All. So we want to be all in this morning. We want to be all in. As I've been getting ready to prepare uh, and share with you guys this morning, the Lord did remind you. I'm going to share a quick story with you. He reminded me of, of just the most, I guess, unique worship experience that I've ever had in my life. And it happened back in 2011. Uh, You guys are going to travel with me really quick. Hope you got your passports. Uh, We're going to go back to Tanzania. Um, I had the opportunity to go to Tanzania in 2011 with my parents. Uh, My dad was preaching at some churches uh, and do a little bit of missions work. Uh, But I had the opportunity to go back and um, I got to experience what worship was like in Tanzania. And I'm going to tell you guys about it. Uh, The church that I went to, it was probably about the size of this section right here. Maybe consisted of 100 and, 120 people. And uh, first thing first, I go into the church and worship is happening. The praise and worship team consisted of three people. There was one drummer that was holding a drum that was probably about like this big, and he's just beating it with a stick, just whacking that thing. ba boom ba-ba-boom, ba-ba-boom. There was an electric guitarist, uh, a very young kid, but he had built his own guitar from a banana tree. He built his own electric guitar out of a banana tree. I do not know the mechanics of it even yet till today, but he would go outside of the church, he would pull out the battery from a car, and he would jerry-rig his little banana tree guitar like to the battery, connect it to a speaker, and this boy would just shred. I mean, guitar licks full of potassium. It It was amazing. It was powerful, anointed stuff. And then the third member of the worship team was a song leader, and he led with a whistle. I've never seen anybody lead with a whistle before, but legit, he had a whistle, like from PE. Some of you are scarred right now, thinking about a whistle, can you imagine me just having a whistle up here, blowing it at you guys, that's what this guy had. He was up here with a whistle and he would blow, uh, he'd blow the whistle and then the congregation would rise and they would start singing songs, just beautiful, beautiful songs that would repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat. There was no lyric screen, so the lyrics were very simple, very repetitive. <laughs> And then they dance. Okay, you can stop. You can stop. Yes. Hey, all praise glory. Some of you guys look look panicked. I'm not talking about you uh, at all. No, but the song, the song meant all of creation sings your praises. You are the Messiah. That's the translation of the song. And I just remember being there that day and... I just remember thinking, whoa, wow. I can't believe the Lord receives this. I can't can't believe that all of this, we're joining in with creation, people of different languages, we are all praising the Lord, our God. And and in that moment, I just felt like an added sense, I had been added onto, just like my sense and my understanding of how good God was, how worthy he was. Uh, He just added onto it in that moment. But I said all of this, and I bring that story up to say this. As we're in the series, All In, I do not believe that we were meant to be all in on how we worship. That was never God's intention. I don't believe that all of our worship is supposed to look and sound and feel the exact same. Not only through music, but even, even in our gifts and our talents and the jobs that we work and the way that we raise our families, I believe that the, that the beauty of the body of Christ is that the Lord allows us so much freedom to express our love and express our appreciation to him in so many different ways. But at the end of the day, we were meant to be all in on who, who, who it is for. And that's Jesus, nobody else. All right. 2nd uh, Philippians chapter 2, uh, verse 11, it prophesies, it says, Every knee will bow and every tongue in heaven, on earth, and under the earth will confess that Jesus is Lord. And so as I was in that church in Tanzania, at 19 years old, I just remember uh, just like being in awe at how awesome he was. Uh, the entire service, the worship experience was just very different than anything I had seen before when it came time for offering um, we prayed right before the offering, and then I just remember opening my eyes, and everyone in the church had left, but then they came back, and as they walked back in, uh, I'm telling you, there were ladies and children, they were walking in with bananas, they had a bunch of bananas, they walked in with a whole lot of produce, um, they had tomatoes and corn, and anything you could name of, you could think of, they had it, and they were bringing it into the church and leaving it at the front of the church. Then some livestock came in. Someone brought in some goats, and then some chickens came in. I mean, it was looking like a high V in there. It was, it was a, it was amazing. But it was an awesome time of worship. Something that was completely foreign and maybe uncomfortable to me, but I knew in that moment the Lord was receiving this. The Lord was being praised through this. Uh, we are not meant to be all in on how it looks, but all in on who it is for. I'm all in on who it is for. So, <clears throat> I have a question for us this morning. Uh, have we let our how by chance overshadow who uh, that all of this is for? Have we let our how overshadow the reason that it is that we actually gather? <clears throat> I believe that sometimes we get a little too focused on the how, uh, especially those of us who have been in church for a while. Um, and we get caught up and in, 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 so caught up in what it is that we're used to. I remember going into that church that morning, and this was toward the end of my visit in Tanzania. And to be honest, I was getting homesick. I just wanted to be, I just wanted to be back home. The night before, I remember I was dreaming about a Frosty. I, I missed the Frosty. I just wanted to, I was craving a Frosty so bad. Um, uh, and then, and then uh, I just remember being so homesick. It was to the point that I felt like I felt like my time in Tanzania was done. I felt like anything that the Lord wanted to show me or reveal to me, I had already seen. Uh, And my heart, to be honest, was a little bit hardened to the experience that was getting ready to happen in that church. Uh, But would you turn with me this morning, if you brought your Bibles, to Matthew chapter 15. We'll be in verses one through nine. And if you don't have your Bibles, you can follow on the screen as well. So Matthew chapter 15 says... Uh, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They asked him, Why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? For instance, God says, Honor your father and mother And anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say it is all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you, for I had vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, you say they don't need to honor their parents, and so you cancel the word of God for the sake of your own tradition. You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote... These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. I've written down here, when our how, when the how of our worship, when, when the, the way that we do things, what we're physically doing becomes more important than who it is for, the word of God says that we cancel out his word for the sake of our own tradition, that we are just like the Pharisees, who were way too blinded and consumed by their own traditions to recognize that God in the flesh was walking amongst them. He was talking to them, literally talking to them. The living word was quoting the living word. He was quoting Isaiah and he said, you worship me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. Hmm. It's easy to look the part. I mean, it's easy to come into a time of worship, um, make sure we have lifted and raised hands to sing the songs, but the Lord wants more than that. He wants our heart, and ultimately, I believe that the Lord wants our obedience. We can't worship someone. Uh, the Word of God says, my sheep know my voice, and it's hard to worship someone that you haven't heard from, right? Right? Um, I believe that also Saul is a good example of, of this. Uh, but before I, before I get there, I want to talk about the Pharisees a little bit. Um, for those of us who don't know who or what a, a Pharisee was or, or is or anything, who've never heard of a Pharisee, basically a Pharisee is just a very, very um, religious, uppity, bougie, um, hoity-toity, kind of snobby uh, type of a person. They're the people that we growl at in church, pretty much, if anyone has been around for a while. That's right, those, those are who your Pharisees are. Um, they are just all about looking the part. Uh, the Bible says that they would walk around with scriptures on their wrists, so you go up to them and you ask them what time it was, they're like, I don't gotta watch, but I got Ecclesiastes on my wrist right here, and there's a time for joy and a time for all of that stuff. Uh, Pharisees, what Pharisees are, I can't imagine if a, if a Pharisee had like social media or something like that, they'd be the type of person that would scroll through your Instagram feed, see your picture of the breakfast that you ate this morning, and write a comment, something like, must be nice, hashtag fasting, something. That's what Pharisees were. <laughs> these, these are the kind of people that Pharisees were. They're just very uppity, very snobby people. They were more consumed with their own traditions than they were Uh, about who like God is and what the Lord actually wanted. They were in the presence and in the midst of the Lord, but they could not see what was going on, what was happening, because they were consumed by their traditions. Here was God, Jesus, who had just been all around. He was healing people. He was feeding the hungry. He was walking on water. And then the Pharisees, it says they traveled from Jerusalem to come and meet and be with Jesus. And the first thing that they wanted to say, the first thing, the first question that they asked Jesus They didn't even ask him a question. They looked at his disciples and they're like, hey, their hands are dirty. His hands are dirty over there. They completely missed out on the big picture of how awesome Jesus was because they were consumed by their own tradition. So Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 15 is also uh, a great example of this. Pardon my drink. Uh, It's also a great example of this. Someone just being consumed in their own tradition. set in your ways... Uh, you refuse, your heart is hardened to the idea that the Lord might be doing something new and different in a new way. In First Samuel chapter 15, Saul, who was the king of Israel at the time, he loses his anointing because he was disobedient to the Lord. The Lord had spoke to Samuel, who was a prophet at the time. He had told Samuel to tell Saul, "Go and attack the Amalekite army. Uh, get rid of them." Because they tried to come at my people when you guys were escaping Egypt, and now I want them gone. Kill every man, woman, and child, even their livestock. I want all of them dead, is what the Lord told Saul. Saul received this word, but then he became disobedient. He became disobedient because he didn't kill everybody. He spared the king of the Amalekite army, Agag, as well as some of the livestock. The word of God says that he spared the livestock because he wanted to give them to the Lord as burnt offerings. Are we with me so far? Yes, okay, cool. He wanted to give them to the Lord as burnt offerings. And then the Lord went to Samuel and told Samuel that Saul was disobedient. Or the Lord went to, yes, to Samuel and told Samuel that Saul was disobedient. Then uh, Samuel approached Saul and said, hey, did you follow the word of the Lord?" And Saul said, "Yes, I did. I followed it to the letter, basically. And then Samuel was like, "Well, I'm hearing a petting zoo in the backyard. I'm hearing a lot of cows. I'm hearing a lot of goats. Uh, what is all this stuff that I'm hearing?" And then Saul, he deflected. Uh, he said, "Well, I did obey the Lord, but the army... Um, that I went to the Amalekites with, they decided they wanted to keep the livestock so that we could offer them uh, as an offering to God. Yeah, because God likes offerings, that's what He wants. And then the way that Samuel responded is something that has really stuck with me. <clears throat> he says, in First Samuel uh, verse 22, uh, he says, <clears throat> "What is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience?" to his voice. Listen, Samuel says to Saul, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness, as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. As I read that passage, I just couldn't help but notice how much I could relate to Saul. Saul. Um, even myself, back when I was in Tanzania, as I mentioned, and I was at this church. It was week eight of like a 10-week visit. If I'm being completely honest, I know I entered that to that time of worship and I just wanted, I just wanted something familiar. I wanted to be back home. I wanted a Frosty. I wanted to sing some Israel Hooten. Um, but the Lord had a completely different idea and vision of what he wanted my offering and my sacrifice to him to look like that morning. I know I can relate to Saul just being a worship pastor, and there have been many, many times where all, all, of, the, all of the little details, I get so consumed by all of the little details that, that sometimes, I mean, it makes it hard to, be, to hear the voice of God, but God in his grace is always always just reminded me that that it's about me uh, it's not about the little details there's there's no perfection in that there's there's no the will of God is not in that the presence of God can't be manif- manifested by how perfectly we, we play a few songs uh, but as we pursue God I believe our worship and our praise is made perfect as we pursue Jesus the perfecter of our faith all of those things are, are made perfect But sometimes I think we come into opportunities, we come into places of worship, we come into times of worship, and we are just so set in our ways about what it's supposed to look like. If we come into a time of worship and maybe coffee's not out in the lobby, we accidentally get hit with a light beam, we're singing songs, another new song. I mean, I'm being honest, I know that some of us kind of conditional worshipers. Our worship is based on on how well all of the little details are and God is just saying, listen, I just want you to want me, I want you to listen and know my voice. I want you to obey me. Uh, Our worship is never meant to be a response to what is current or what is popular. It is a response to the voice of God. A few weeks ago, uh, we had a worship night on a Wednesday night. We wrapped up our time of fasting, and uh, I love having conversations with, with y'all and kind of getting feedback about, about how worship's going and, and hearing about what you've been worshiping to. But there's one conversation in particular that, that kind of sticks out in my mind. Uh, that Wednesday evening, we had sang a lot of songs that were kind of, I guess I could call them throwback songs. Um, a, a lot of songs, we sang Heart of Worship, um, we sang, maybe some Chris Tomlin, This Is My Desire, some songs that some of us might know. Uh, but after it was all over, I just remember someone approaching me, and they were super excited, super on fire. And they are like, man, worship was so awesome this morning. It was great. I was so blessed by worship. And then I talked to them, I'm like, man, that's, that's really cool. What did you, what did you enjoy about worship? Well, what, what went good about it? And they were like, oh, it just reminded me of the good old days, the days of the past. Uh, and it was kind of a, a backhanded compliment a little bit. And I don't know if you hear it right now, but, but I don't think our worship was ever meant to chase our own traditions. We weren't meant to chase the sound and the experience of the past. Uh, all our worship is meant to do is be in the will and, and in the presence of God. That's all our worship is, is just an obedience to Him and His voice. Just like our worship is not meant to chase and pursue whatever is current, whatever is the loudest, most recent, brightest thing, the Lord may not be in that. The Lord just says, chase, come after me, just be with me. That's all I want is you to be in my presence. <clears throat> so John fourteen twenty one says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love them and show myself to them. Sometimes we have conversations about worship, and and I've heard rumblings and things spoken over, uh, over this church. Like some people are worried. Some people are worried about our future. We're getting ready to step into a new season. How are we feeling about that? I really, I really hope that we're excited and we really sense the presence of the Lord even in this transition. But some of us, I believe, are fighting the transition a little bit in our hearts. We're trying to chase the traditions of our own past, and we're not looking forward to the future. We're not, we're not saying, Lord, I just want our worship to look like whatever you would have it look like. Right? I'm just, I just wanna chase what's comfortable. This is what I know. This is what feels good to me. And, and I've seen you and I've experienced your presence in this before, so you chase it again. But the Lord is gonna do a new thing, and I believe that the best, best days of Riverside, we say it all the time, are ahead of us, absolutely. Um, But in 1 Samuel, uh, Saul said, or Samuel said to Saul, rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. Your stubbornness is as bad as worshiping idols. To have your heart hardened and say things like, this is just the way that I am, this is just the way that I worship. Um, I mean, in the Lord's eyes, you might as well you might as well have a big old golden calf and be bowing down to it and calling it God. In God's eyes, that's like how offensive our stubbornness is to him. That's what the word of the Lord says. Um, Instead of us, yeah, being conformed to the world, we're meant to be transformed and have a renewed mind that we might do the perfect and acceptable will of God. Your tradition and your routine, for some of us, it has become an idol, it has become a crutch. We're no longer dependent on God and what he's wanting to do. We're dependent on us and our own strength and us replicating an environment or a situation where we felt the presence of the Lord before and now we're just pursuing that environment or whatever was replicated. We're just trying to give him fat calves and fat sheep when all that he wants is just your obedience. I mean, it's simple. It's simple. That's all that he wants is just your obedience. Luke 6, 46 it says, why do you call me Lord, yet you do not do what I ask? So we can't have it both ways. We might confess with our mouths that Jesus, you are Lord. I give you all authority. I give you control over all things. But in our hearts, the Lord is saying, you are far from me. Your heart is far from me. We're getting ready to sing a song on our way out and we sang it this morning, but I believe that as we sing it again, it'll hopefully give us new meaning. I have some questions to ask everyone. Because the last time that I heard this song, um, the Holy Spirit just convicted me, uh, and he just like started putting a lot of these questions on my mind and in my heart. We're gonna sing the King of my heart, and I know that a lot of us know it, and a lot of us have heard it. But if we go through the lyrics together, the lyrics say, Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run. What that means is, let the king of my heart, whoever's on the throne of my heart, whoever I call Lord, let that be the place, let that be my sense and my source of security, let that be my sense of shelter, let that be the place where I find comfort. The song goes on to say, let the king of my heart be the fountain where I run. What are you refreshed by? Where do you find restoration? Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide. Where do you find a sense of protection? Let the king of my heart be the wind inside my sails. What propels you? What motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Let the king of my heart be the fire inside my veins. Where are you getting your sense of passion? What is your identity in? What are you allowing yourself to be defined by? These are all the questions that I felt the Holy Spirit just kind of asking me the last time that we sang this song together. I was right up there in the balcony. And I'm embarrassed to say, but the Holy Spirit convicted me. The Holy Spirit was gracious enough to point out some similarities in my life and those of the Pharisees. The Holy Spirit was gracious enough to point out that hey, you're singing the words, you look the part, but can you honestly say that I am the king of your heart? Can you honestly say that you've given me authority over all things in your life? Can you honestly say that I am your Lord? Luke 6 46, why do you call me Lord? Yet you do not do what it is that I ask you to do. We can't have it both ways. We can't have it both ways. The Lord wants our obedience this morning. That's all that he wants, he wants us to submit to him. If we're gonna call him Lord, call him Lord. That day that we were singing the song, the Holy Spirit convicted me and he just showed me, listen, when you're saying you are good, you're not actually singing that to me. If, if while you're hearing those questions and you notice that, that the answer to some of those things are not Jesus and his finished work at the cross, if you notice that you're not singing you are good to the God, that loves us. He pointed out to me, what are you saying is good? What are you saying is never gonna let you down? He showed me that my worship at times can be a farce. He showed me he wants so much more than lip service. He just wants us to obey him, it's so simple. He who hears my commandments, And keeps them it is he who loves me and he who loves me I will love him and my father will love him and manifest himself to him sometimes when we question the presence of the Lord is it because we're actually looking for our own tradition is it because we're actually seeking out our own routines Are we actually looking and seeking out God's presence? When is the last time that you came into an opportunity to worship, whether it be at church, whether it be a service project, and you just earnestly prayed, God, have your way. Do whatever it is that you want. I want to step into it. I don't care if it's comfortable. I don't care if it's not the tradition that I'm used to. I don't care if people are singing a song in a different language. All of this doesn't matter. I don't care about the lights." I don't care if coffee's out in the lobby. God, I just wanna give you praise because you are worthy. You are worthy of my praise. God, I want my whole life to sing the song about how good you are. When is the last time you earnestly prayed that? Can I have the prayer team come up front? Listen, we just wanna pray with you this morning. And if there is any shift, if you notice that in your heart, man, there's an area that I haven't fully submitted to the Lord. I'm calling him Lord, yet I'm not keeping his commandments. I don't believe that our idols in our life are big golden calves anymore. They're a lot more subtle. They might be that, that phone in your pocket. They're a lot more subtle. It might be an emotion, something that we cling, and cling on to. It might be like Samuel said, it, it might be your own tradition and your own expectation. You come in here and you expect the Lord to move a, a very specific way, and the Lord is saying, no, I'm doing a new thing. I wanna try something different. So we can have the prayer team come, up, come forward. Uh, and if anything I said kinda registered to you, we're gonna sing this song on our way out. Let's stand with me, would you? Again, as you're singing those lyrics, ask yourself, ask yourself those questions. Who is the king of my heart? What is the mountain that I run to? Where's the fountain that I drink from? Is it really you? Is it really you, Lord? And if, and if you're brave enough to admit that it might not be, I invite you forward to come pray with the prayer team. Would you pray with me? Father God, we just love you so much. God, we say, and we declare that we just want our worship to be something that you asked for. Um, We're tired of giving you things that you never wanted. We don't wanna give you more tradition. We don't wanna give you more lip service. Uh, But God, we just want, we just want you. We just wanna hear and know your voice. We just wanna experience your love in whatever way you wanna show it to us. God, open up our eyes and soften our hearts to your work and to your will. In your precious name we pray, amen. Let's sing this on the way out.